Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. Set. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 514 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We got a lot to dive into across the board with every single team. Plus, for the true blue fans, you know we're talking Survivor 44 at the end of the show. So stick around for that if you're a Survivor fan. Uh, but before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at underground phi twitter instagram facebook.com slash underground sports phi follow matt on twitter at matt castarina follow me at kbizzl311 subscribe to the podcast feed on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcast leave a five-star rating and review it does help the show continue to grow helps more people find underground sports philadelphia wherever they get their podcasts and, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where you get full video episodes of every podcast on our network, which every playlist now, uh, if it is a podcast, it is uh, categorized as such on our YouTube channel. So you can go check that out in the playlist tab. Uh, you get shorts, you get clips, original video content is all going on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're at 403 subscribers right now. On that road to 500, and of course, on that long road to 1,000. Uh, so go subscribe, be a friend, tell a friend, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on everything we discuss on tonight's show. And big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, Matt? Oh, <laughs> living the dream. <laughs> That was the uh, the microphone equivalent, Chris Collinsworth's chair slide. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers, Matt, they somehow, some way, have uh, found a way to just pull everybody back in once again. Uh, it's brought to you by our friends and our amazing merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. Guys, there's no doubt in our minds that when you're rocking your merch from PHI Apparel Company... You're going to stand out in the crowd, whether you're at the Wells Fargo Center, at the link during football season, at Citizens Bank Park this spring and summer, uh, or at your local bar, at your house, with your friends, wherever you may be, PHI Apparel Company is the merch you should be rocking. They've got shirts, hoodies, crew necks. They've even got toddler sizes for some of their merch. So go to phiapparel.co. Check out the official Underground Sports Philadelphia merch capsules. For all of our podcasts, we're working on getting some new stuff up very soon as well. Uh, when you're shopping, make sure you use code UNDERGROUND at checkout for 10% off any and all orders at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders. 
they take down the Bucks. They uh, they continue surging, and I believe as of right now, two games out of the two seed once again. Pulled us right back into it. Um, yeah, they did, and then it, it's so strange because through all of this, you still have the, the Harden rumors picking up speed about him leaving for Houston in free agency, and that it feels to some people feels like a foregone conclusion. You know, like it's just a it's a write off at this point that that's where he's going. Yeah, they they stopped the Bucks' 16 game win streak, which felt nice. Um, I think just goes to show how inconsistent this team has been, though, because you know it, it feels like week to week. We're kind of going from crisis to achievement, um, you know. And that, I mean, even even last week, you know, like that Mavs loss was not great. And you even go back to the the back to back against the Heat, you lose in in rough fashion at home, and then go without Embiid to Miami and play very well. I, it's just they're such a bizarre team in that way, and I think that's been the story of their season so far has just been uh, how inconsistent they can be at times. You know, they had that that big you know like streak going from what like uh late november into december january um where they looked like one of the best teams in basketball that was where the Embiid mvp hype really started to to, to balloon and, and swell upward but um i think this team still i think if they want to make the conference finals have to be the one seed because i think they have to have a realistic shot at avoiding both the celtics and the bucks um i don't I think the Celtics are the only team in the East I could not see them winning a seven-game series. Yeah. I think they could win a seven-game series against the Bucs. Um, I, I still think the Celtics, though, I, I just do not see how this team beats the Celtics in, in, in seven. So um, that's that's where their end goal is. But, yeah, they, they've looked good in moments. I think you have to <laughs> somehow convince yourself that things are going to be different this year, but um, it still has that feeling and inevitability about it. Yeah, and I mean, who would have thought putting Tyrese Maxey back in the starting lineup, things would change. Um, but on top of, you know, beating the Bucks in a typical game, you know, one of those high emotional stakes games like that Bucks game was, typically you come back down to earth and you lose the next game, but they uh, win a no-defense game. They pretty much played the All-Star game against the Pacers uh, and won 147-143 on Monday night. And then on Tuesday, uh, they win 117-94. to and uh, they're back at it again on Friday, uh, home against the Trailblazers, and then Sunday, home against the Wizards before they go out on the road for three against the Cavs, Hornets, and Pacers. Um, on paper, you know, a bit of a reprieve from what they've been kind of going through over the past couple of weeks schedule-wise, but, um, you know, late March into April, it gets real tough again, so these are the moments that, you know, if the Sixers want to stick around in that top three seed area, they got to take advantage of these games against, you know, the Trailblazers, the Wizards, uh, you know, go toe-to-toe with the Cavs again, um, the Hornets, the Bulls. Like, those are teams that they have to beat before, you know, facing some true playoff contending teams in the West when they go out West for that road trip. Yeah, and you still have uh, games against the Bucks and the Celtics, one each, and you could feasibly, you know, play your way into a, a top two seed with either of those games. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I, I think if you're, if you're like keeping the faith, that is what you're hoping for. But I still think this team probably settles where they are at the, at the three seed and um, get a very interesting <laughs> first round matchup against um, honestly, like the nets are there now, but you, the, the way they've been sliding, it's probably the heat. Um, and I don't, love that <laughs> i don't love going straight from uh, a heat series which you know 
could go either way. You know, I, I don't know that that's a guarantee. Um, and then having to play the Celtics as it is, it just reeks of 2018. Either wildly disappointing first round exit or just a gut wrenching, <laughs> like six game series against the Celtics where you just. And it, and it never really feels close. It's a six-game series that never really feels close. But, I mean, the Knicks could even land there. Um, that would be embarrassing. <laughs> Getting, yeah. I just – I can't help but feel that this team has, like, this I, – I, I feel like this playoff is going to disappoint us in a way that we have yet to be dis- – which is shocking. Shocking. we've been disappointed and I think just – yeah, I mean, every way that you can imagine we've been disappointed by this team. I think the only way we haven't is – we go up 3-0 and get reverse swept. Yeah. I think it's the only way, which I hope I didn't just put in the universe <laughs> as a potential option for us. But I, I really think that's the only way that this team doesn't get just absolutely embarrassed. I mean, we were like maybe a 3-1 is not off the table. I know that people were talking about it last year with the Raptors series that that was it, it was going to happen. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I'm I, I really feel like this team is going to disappoint us in a, and I don't mean to be negative but it's just I felt this way all year long and I feel like it's been very hard for me to be like engaged with this team because when Doc Rivers is still your coach it is so hard to feel like the playoffs are gonna matter to you and that you're actually gonna kind of realize the talent that you have on your roster like we've just seen him with the Sixers with other teams just constantly limit the ceiling so that's um that's what's holding me back so much yeah, and I mean, we've talked about it a number of times. Just like, you can't put faith in a Doc Rivers-led team. You know, he hasn't done anything to, like, earn your trust even before he got to the Sixers outside of one of the most loaded rosters in 2008 that I'm sure he had little, you know, input in on, uh, you know, those those four guys in their prime uh, going and winning a championship. So, it's tough to trust Doc Rivers, but it seems like even with all the hardened rumors and everything, he's been a, a extremely positive vibes guy on the bench, you know, with Tyrese Maxey on the court when, when he and Embiid, uh, you know, set NBA history becoming only, I think the third pair of teammates to, you know, record 30 points and 10 assists. So like they, uh, it, even though this is all swirling in the news, I feel like it's a, a good sign for the, the now that like James Harden isn't really letting, that stuff affect his game yeah and i mean we're still uh we we did this a few months ago but yeah joel Embiid still leads in points per game and james harden leads in assists per game and i i remember going back i, I don't think that there was a duo on the same team that have you know one has averaged the most has been the scoring leader and one has been the assist leader in the nba um so that speaks obviously to what a, a tremendous offensive duo you know the, the one of the best offenses in the league um you know, when, when James Harden and Beat are on the floor. And I, I think that speaks, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about a, a potential playoff run and you think about what this team could be, there it is, you know, like, but, um, you know, I, I think so much, and it, it, it sounds like a broken record, but it's still the same issues, is that when those guys are not on the floor and you're not staggering minutes in a way that makes sense, you know, because one of those guys should realistically always be out there for the Sixers. There really should be very little time where, we're not having one of, of James or, or Embiid on the floor, but that's the way that this happened. <laughs> and, you know, that's a, that is a Doc Rivers decision at times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Embiid has had, had a great season, of course, and, you know, he's done it in such an efficient way. And I think 
Harden's creativity has gone a little under the radar as well. So I think, um, I think, yeah, you know, I, I don't know that a team would love to play the Sixers, but at, at the same time, you know, the fact that they haven't gotten past this, like this, the speed bump in the, in the second round, you know, speaks a lot to their I, I, mental makeup at this point, you know, like I, I, I don't know what it is. Franchise culture, franchise culture, something. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Sixers. And I, I think it is kind of nice that like this little bit of a, a lull period in terms of like competition happens right when the fun basketball starts. Right. NCAA tournament, man. Uh, it's our time. Goddamn blessing. It's I our mean, time of year. God, brother. I just, you know what I was thinking? I was like, I just do not care enough. I need to care more about some random 19-year-old whose yes. name I did not know until this week. Excited to root for the kids. I, you know, it's it's all for the kids. Um, Zach Eady, shout out. <laughs> A name I did know before this year because I remember him from last year. Yes. But, yeah, I love uh, love the March Madness talk. and Just basting in uh in college basketball content to try and understand i love this week too because you get the you get the conference tournament so you get yeah. to kind of learn a little bit about some of the players that you're going to pretend like you know so much That's about the and the teams that you know so much about um everything i've heard about college basketball this year is it is a wide open yep. field it is uh there's a lot of parity there are like eight or nine teams that could win a championship there's no true like dominant you know buzzsaw team like we've had in years past or one or two of those teams like there's a lot of just Good, not great teams, and that I think is going to give us a fun March Madness. It's also I didn't know this. This is Jim Nance's last yeah. March Madness tournament. That sucks. He's like, <laughs> I saw. Um, I think Mark Titus was talking about this. He said it's Jim Nance's last March Madness. I think he's from Houston. Yeah, he went to he went to the University of Houston. It's in Houston, it's in and Houston. University of Houston is probably going to have a, the a, one, a seed. one seed. Um, could even be the number one overall seed. Um, so yeah, stars aligning for them to get knocked down the street 16. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, no way that there's no, it, no it's no. too, it's too perfect for it to end, uh, the other, the, uh, make sure you guys go listen to, uh, our college boss basketball podcast as well. The glue guys, uh, with Tom and Owen, they're doing a great job. We've got a, uh, selection Sunday live stream this coming Sunday on both the underground sports Philadelphia YouTube channel and the glue guys, uh, YouTube channel as well. Um, so go check that out. Uh, for all the the March Madness, so Underground Madness is back. Our bracket challenge uh, group is made. It'll be tweeted out right after the show. Um, I don't want to toot my own horn. I have picked the correct national champion to the last three years. True, and the one year I didn't, I had Gonzaga in the final. Um, so I was close. That's on the record. That is on the record. That is that is pure. That is pure in history. That is in the books. So. I just jinxed myself. I'm going to pick so wrong. I'm going to finish in like the second percentile. I, um, I'm sure of it. I want to make sure that our mics are still working live because I don't think they are. Um,
That's called live television, folks. That is, you know, that's the way it goes. That's the way the that's news how it happens. Uh, shout out to our new follower on Twitch. For whatever reason, Twitch just kills our mics whenever that happens. Um, but I think with March Madness being as wide open as it is, it's going to be the most chaotic tournament I think we've ever had. Where there is no top dog, there's going to be potential for like a gazillion upsets that like nobody's going to know what the final four is going to be yeah i mean even even last year you had some some pretty wide i mean unc making the final as an eight seed yeah um you know you had st peter's making a run last year right like you've kind of had you know one or two teams every year for the last few years for the most part uh like higher seeds making it into the deeper stages and i think that brings a lot of excitement you know in effect too that a lot of the perennial like blue blood teams are not you know like duke north carolina is likely not even going to be at the tournament um, even someone like Kentucky, they're going to be in the tournament and they've turned a corner, but you know, we're going to be like a five or six seed. Most people are used to them being a one or a two. Um, yeah, a lot of these like uh, sort of, you know, historic, uh, teams have, have, are, are not going to be maybe at the level that we're used to seeing them at. Um, so that I, I think is going to be really interesting too, because you're seeing, yeah, I think for a lot of people, Houston is not a, a college or, or a program that they typically associate with being like at the upper like tier of, of college basketball but you know for for the most part um you know i i think people are, are going to be a little surprised at that but you know there's some names on there too right but i mean even like teams like marquette are up there you know um kansas state will be like a higher seed uh even even a team like miami who have in years past been more in like the the six to ten seed range like no villanova this year yeah no villanova this year right like there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of teams that I think people are used to seeing, and you know they, it's going to be a little it's going to give some room to to some teams to maybe make a little bit of a run. Yeah, it's it's just looking at like the the tops of every conference and everything. There's a lot of like different teams in there that we're not typically uh, used to seeing that will probably get the bid uh, to the NCAA tournament. But it's going to be a lot of fun once uh, Selection Sunday rolls around and seeing who's actually in. Um, and I mean, the, I think this might be the most unpredictable year of one seeds, depending on how the rest of these, you know, conference tournaments go and everything. So I'm excited to just kind of see how everything, you know, plays out. Like Fairleigh Dickinson got their bid because <laughs> Merrimack can't qualify for, which is a, a dumb rule in my eyes. Like I, I don't totally understand why that's just a rule i understand maybe the first year but like because then you can't just uh i don't know you can't like game the system in some way or something like but even then i i don't fully understand why that's a rule but yeah shout out to shout out to the knights after going like four and 22 last year Listen, in the tournament just talking about talking about being on the come up um well, it's it's, i think fun. kennesaw state <clears throat> made it for the first time and two years ago they had won one game, I think, or like one or two games. So, quite a few of these stories of teams like turning it around in the last few years. It's been tough for UCLA. They lost like one of their best players, yeah, um, to injury. So, we'll see how uh, you know their ride goes. But I was a newly acquainted friend and uh, listener of the show, Josiah Johnson. Mm-hmm. He uh, he went to UCLA, obviously, and he was pretty much saying, you know, when your next guy off the bench is a five star you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, a lot of these like big programs do have the luxury of usually bringing up. You know what's so funny is I always think about like a lot of these guys that um 
it's just strange, you know, because like to us, we don't know these guys as well, but to, like to some hometown, these like the best athlete that yeah. people have ever seen in their entire lifetime. Um, and you know, like a lot of times they're like the 10th man on the bench here, but it's like literally like whatever town they came from in like Colorado, like probably named their high school gym after this person yes. <laughs> when it's like to us, they're like this, like fi- they're not even starting. You're like, it's just so funny the way, uh, the way it works sometimes, like, uh, especially with college sports where, you know, they don't get like the notoriety and fame all that much. Um, except in like their hometown usually, especially with, like the, the bigger sports like this, but like people, Everyone knows this person's name, you know, like, and, and well, like, if they see them out, they'll text friends, like, dude, I saw, like. How shitty's it gotta be, though, if you were, like, one of the best players to come out of Loyola, Chicago, and you just already know that the gym's gonna get named after Sister Jean. I know, that is, uh, I mean, I'm a little over the Sister Jean stuff, if I'm being, if I can yeah. be. That felt like it should have been, like, a one-and-done, cool, like, storyline. Cool thing, I'm just, I'm gonna be very honest, I not that invested in it anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing to do with Loyola Chicago ruining a bracket of mine. It's totally not. It's not based on anything other than that. That is just untrue fact and substance, not emotion. So. Um, I saw this the other day. I forget who tweeted it, so I apologize. But uh, they pretty much said, uh, is there anybody on your, like, do not bet list or do not pick list when uh, bracket season comes Purdue. Out? Purdue has broken my heart too many times. Which is interesting because they're going to be a, right. a big dog this year. Do not have good guard play, though. And that is what I always look for in uh, in picking a March Madness team. You want to do two things. Here are my two tips. You can take these home with you. One, you don't pick a team that you actually think will win. And I don't mean that in a dumb way. But you don't pick the team with the highest odds. Because you right. know why? Because everyone else is picking that team. If you want to win your, your tournament challenge, whatever it is, even if it's in a smaller group... You don't want to pick like the one year that Gonzaga were undefeated going to the tournament. You you don't necessarily want to pick Gonzaga, right? Because guess what? If you're in a team, a group with 50 other people, 40 other people are picking Gonzaga yep. too. So you're already like lowering your ability. Even though Gonzaga maybe had the best odds of the year, whatever. Like I get it, but you got to pick a team that's like in that middle range. You got to find like the nice sweet spot where it's like teams got like a decent shot at winning a title, but people are not on to them as much um it's gonna be a little harder this year because there's no like outstanding favorite and there's no duke or unc which are very popular like homer picks like duke especially is always anytime they're in the tournament which they'll be but you know like you know they're not a a top seed this year right and you know that's typically what attracts uh a lot of people you know to uh to to picking them to win the title so um you have to really kind of be smart about choosing that and um yeah number two is Guard play is so important. Uh, we forget every year in March Madness that someone who can create their own shot and someone who can, like, it It very often comes down to final possessions. And big men are important. Like, they, they have a role. But it, it, a, a guard is always going to be so much more important and so much more likely to be taking these final shots, be going to the line potentially. Um, and Purdue does have, like, younger guards, which, which potentially worries me. We've seen big men like Zach Eady. You know, he's obviously talented, but seen teams like this fail we've seen purdue fail like and, and really like under deliver it's it's purdue and tennessee are, are two teams that i just cannot <laughs> i can't do it anymore <laughs> i the last three four years they've they've been like sneaking around and you know purdue had a, a decent tournament last year but um yeah those two teams i think for me are just cannot imagine myself picking them further than like sweet 16 elite eight i just i can't can't yeah. do it can't get hurt i think mine are uh iowa state 
always screws me one way or another. Uh, so I've avoided them as much as possible. Missouri, because they're always in that 8-9 game, and they always lose it they no are, matter what they seed are they the are. Always, they are the perennial 8-9, like just <laughs> coin flip game, uh, but yet they always, always lose. They are the living embodiment of a coin flip. And uh, those are those are the two teams that I always avoid, like the plague. And one way or another, they always screw me. If I don't pick them, they advance to like the elite eight. And if I do pick them, they get eliminated first weekend. So yeah. Um, word of advice to everybody too, because I did this for the first time this year and was able to afford to do it. So obviously, do this uh, if you can. Always look ahead and see when March Madness starts. I took off the Thursday have four straight days of college basketball yeah. to kind of just take in and consume so always look ahead on your calendars uh if you can obviously afford to do it um uh, and take off that thursday because it is probably one of the worst days of just being stuck at work yes i had a teacher in high school that would always uh take off the thursday it's <laughs> like you know man you got the right got idea it. yep <laughs> i am picking up what you're putting down um also, sneaky school that has just, like, become a uh, March Madness, like, perennial. Oral Roberts. Yeah. They have uh, Max. I Max East. I forget it. Anyway, one of uh, one of the best scorers in college basketball. He has a weird last name that is not pronounced the way that it is spelled. Um, but, yeah. He's A-B-M-A-S. A, it's Eastmas. Um he, uh, they obviously had a big upset a few years ago, um, which one of my good friends uh, who watches absolutely zero sports, one of my favorite things is I always have him fill out a bracket. Um, he predicted St. Peter's last year. He pre- predicted Oral Roberts was upsetting Ohio State, I believe. Um, he predicted those. So I like stay tuned to, on my Twitter to see what uh, he's he's gotten some of these right somehow. Um, you know, and I, I think that just goes to show what a fluke March <laughs> Madness can be. Sometimes the early rounds are always a little are always a little shaky. Um, so, you know, you have to be prepared for a little bit of chaos. Very excited for uh, for March Madness. But, yeah, make sure you uh, tune into our Selection Sunday live stream. Sunday going live around 545 Eastern time on YouTube. Uh, but, Matt, the Phils, they've kind of uh, broken camp a little bit. The World Baseball Classic guys are at their camps now. Uh, but a little bit of a surprise today. Gregory Soto reported to Phillies camp. He will not be participating in the World Baseball Classic. Had visa issues, uh, but he is now in Clearwater and will be with the Phillies for spring training, which is exciting. He's going to be a massive piece of this bullpen. Was obviously the uh, the crown jewel of that trade that sent Nick Maton uh, and why am I blanking on Car Shield guy? Aton and totally blanking on our other outfielder that we had. That we uh, just traded like, to Detroit for oh, Gregory Soto. Already out of my mind. Oh, it's an Veerling? M. Matt Veerling. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Once they're off the team, they're just. Yeah. Uh, and they sent him to Detroit, so it's like, come on. Uh, but Soto in camp. Still no update on Andrew Painter, which is kind of getting concerning. Yeah, um, it was a vague, it was a vague injury to begin with. Um, don't love, and I mean, this is the worry too. With like, especially like a younger guy, you know, um, kind of have to manage the body a little bit. 
So hopefully, hopefully it's just that. Hopefully they're just yeah. like, you know, there's really, hopefully there's just nothing really to update. You know what I mean? Like there's no like, uh, yeah, I feel like there was something catastrophically wrong, or if there's something like really a big setback, I feel like we would have heard about it by yeah. now. Um, I think the I think silence in this case might actually be a positive, in that maybe it's just just a little bit of load management stuff. You know, younger guy throwing a lot of heat at at like more major league pit, uh, like batters. Maybe that means too. You like maybe maybe he's not there on opening day. Maybe he just needs a little more time, uh, get used to the body. Yeah. Um. It is just concerning whenever you see pitcher elbow. Yeah, that's. You, I mean, that puts, like that puts that puts that puts the fear of God in you for sure. Um, but I mean, luckily this team has Bailey Falter, who really stepped up towards the the tail end of last year and you know into the early parts of the postseason, and kind of a spring training darling right now. Jake Cave is making a huge case to be a bench bat. Yeah. Um. Great name too. Yes. By the way. Uh, yeah, we. I think I feel like we've had a, a guy or two every year, especially at the beginning of the season. Whether it's someone within the system or someone that we pick up on some sort of like very cheap deal, kind of catch fire a little bit and, and be a little bit of a darling, and you'll know, see if, if that that maintains. But yeah, these are the nice things at a spring training. You get some of these guys that haven't heard of or that you're not as familiar with that uh that start to make a name for themselves and. You know, I, I think there's there's room for you know a platoon guy or two within this this Phillies uh, depth lineup, and you're going to need it this year. So yeah, there are uh, two primary spots left, pretty much on the roster that uh, are being duked out for uh, between position players, because obviously you have your eight starters of JT Reese, Bryson Stott, Trey Turner, Alec Boehm, Schwarber, Brandon Marsh, Castellanos, and then you have Garrett Stubbs as your backup catcher. That's a lock. Edmundo Sosa. He's your super utility guy. That's a lock. And then, uh, according to who wrote the, uh, Corey Seidman saying Josh Harrison is essentially a lock to make the roster at this point, which is a good sign there. And then he says the primary candidates for the final two spots are Jake Cave, Dalton Guthrie, uh, Derek Hall, and then Cody Clemens, the son of Roger Clemens. Uh, didn't realize Jake Cave is 30 years old. But now that I'm like reading his stats, I remember when he did play for the Twins. Um, Simon wrote that he struggled in 2020 and he broke his back in 2021. He's alive. Um, so he's back and he's five for nine with a double, a triple, and a homer in three games this spring. Um, and then he hit another home, a two-run home run uh, on Wednesday to uh, pretty much, you know keep push, pushing the uh, the pressure there on Derek Hall, putting the pressure on Dalton Guthrie and Cody Clemens. I feel like those four guys as a whole, like we're hearing a lot about them and they're they're performing really well. So it is going to be interesting to see what the, the coaching staff decides to do with those final two roster spots. Yeah, very curious. And it is one of those weird things too that I feel like in years past, I think we talked about this a little bit, like it was Bohm, it was Bryson Stott, like – the position players and obviously, you know, Mickey Moniak for a little bit too. It was, it's been the position players that you've been kind of keeping an eye on, like who's going to make it out of camp for the young guys. And now it's kind of these super utility guys that we kind of know who they are, um, that are trying to make the roster. And then the shift to, you know, keeping an eye on the young guys is a lot of pitchers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but world baseball classic for team USA, get started on saturday i believe um they should have a pretty simple time uh 
getting out of their bracket. They uh, they have their first scrimmage tonight, and uh, the roster is absolutely crazy. Uh, and you know it's wild when Kyle Schwarber's hitting third. <laughs> um, I want to pull the the lineup here for Team USA. It's uh, yeah, it's Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Kyle Schwarber, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Kyle Tucker. Uh, Trey Turner, JT Realmuto, and then Jeff McNeil from the Mets. Jesus. Might be one of the best lineups of all time. It is a, a stacked or stacked lineup. Uh, but the World Baseball Classic's underway, and uh, we are a month away from opening night, which we will be doing a uh, live tailgate podcast April 8th. Uh, we kind of teased it. Towards the end of the World Series, we've been dropping hints here and there. We have a name for the podcast series that we'll be doing all summer long down at CBP. Uh, it is Underground Sports Philadelphia presents presents Ring It, a live tailgate podcast series. So a bunch of Phillies games this year. We'll be doing live podcasts with a whole bunch of Underground Sports Philadelphia personalities. Pretty much the entire crew is going to be down there on April 8th, which is very exciting. Uh, we'll get to uh, experience the fills for the first time this year and get back to Citizens Bank Park. And you know what happened last time we were there. We saw Nikki C hit that first home run in a Phil's uniform. So uh, if you're going to opening night, not opening day, which is Thursday at 12.35 p.m., um, Saturday, the 4 o'clock game, we'll be podcasting before the game and everything. And we'll give you guys more details as they come through. But, uh, Put in your calendars and, and come through to the tailgate. Come through to the live podcast. Uh, very excited for that to go down in just a month. But, Matt, the uh, the Eagles, it seems like a lot of guys, and uh, this is going to be brought to you by our friends over at Kenwood Beer, who will be part of our live podcast uh, tailgate series, uh, the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia. You guys can go to KenwoodBeer.com. Get set for the NCAA tournament with Kenny's on deck. Uh, you can use that all-new and improved Kenny Tracker at KenwoodBeer.com. You can get it at your local liquor store if you're in the Philadelphia area or if you're in the eastern Pennsylvania area. You can also find it at your local home goods. Uh, so go to KenwoodBeer.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. C.J. Gardner-Johnson puts out a thank you Philadelphia video last night on his social media uh apps of choice and it sent eagles twitter into a tizzy and the more you look at it the more it kind of feels like he's probably not going to be back i would say almost certainly not going to be back um he's going to be an expensive person to retain uh that was that's going to be i think that was clear uh for for everyone but it's it's a it's a tough thing because he's obviously such a difference maker for this team but seems a lot of holes to plug. You know, he's one of many, especially defensive free agents leaving. And I think it, it would be tough because the Eagles cap situation is not ideal. Uh, they, they don't really have a ton of wiggle room to dig in with um, to kind of allocate a lot of money to to him is maybe not, you know, the, the best move. And it, and it seems like he might go get a, a big deal somewhere else that maybe the Eagles could have match. Um, and this is, this is his opportunity to get paid and, that's it's a it's a tough pill no matter what but um i 
I think it was always going to be a challenge to retain him regardless. Even if they had a really good cap situation, I think it's still it's still a tough thing. It's uh, it's one of those things that I'm keeping an eye on because Denard Wilson did leave. He's going to the Baltimore Ravens. Something tells me one of, if not both, James Bradbury and C.J. Garner-Johnson are going to Baltimore. Uh, yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, we're you know, so losing Hargrave, uh, Bradbury, to, to big key additions as well. Um, you know, and, and you're going to have to try and replace, especially Hargrave's production, which went a little under the radar this year. Uh, because of you know what Reddick was doing, and I think what the, the team overall was doing, he was sort of a someone that maybe didn't get the the praise that he fully deserved. But you know he's again going to go out there, and he's had two really good, really strong seasons back to back now. So that's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. And again, you know it, it was a very talented defense, but I think this team, you know, they have a, a lot of options. They have some flexibility, uh, especially in the draft this year. Look at look at comp picks for those guys too, right? Which helps yeah. refill the cupboard um, going forward, and that's you know. That is, in some ways, a good thing, uh, you know. And I think Eagles are, are maybe looking to to be a little flexible, you know, through the, the you know free agency and the, and the draft and um, for for this season because they have uh, some big like long term decisions to look at too. Yeah, so there's gonna be a lot with Eagles free agency. And somebody brought up a good point on Twitter. You pay C.J. Gardner Johnson this year, you're more than likely not gonna be able to pay. Devonte Smith next year, right? You know, like, and that's that's where the challenge comes in. Is that you know, it's not just about this this free agency period. It's not just about this season. You have to be looking longer, and you know, you have a, a Jalen Hurts contract to to be considering as well. Just think, there's there's just a lot of moving parts, and uh, occasionally you lose a guy of CJ Garner Johnson. You know, in in this in this rotation, you know, so it's tough. I think the fans really liked him. He's obviously a very good player too, uh, which always helps. So. Um, I'm sure, though, he's obviously going to get paid very well somewhere, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he's going to have a, a lot of places to choose from. I um, I also think, <laughs> seeing what the, the New York football giants decided to do, it's just, it just has Jalen Hurts and his whole team sitting back, waiting uh, for that phone call for him to sign the dotted line of just a blank check, because, my goodness, even though Dave Gettleman is gone, the New York Giants are still absolute morons i um i don't understand i don't understand at all um you could just franchise tag him kind of kind of pun again this year and and rethink some things i mean it's funny too because they already put themselves in this position by declining his fifth year option right like they they're their it was their own choice to Mm -hmm. kind of have this decision to make this offseason and now i i'm very surprised to see them commit that much time to danny jones he definitely looked better this year, but this was one year out of his entire career where he's looked good. You know, like he's looked like a average quarterback, you know, like, and even then passing is still not amazing. Yeah. But you could also say it doesn't have a lot of offensive weapons. They can address that this offseason. And, you know, um, Brian Dable is a good coach. So, you know, you can at least buy into the fact that they might improve and, and upgrade in a lot of ways. But, man, I just – uh it's a, it's a it feels risky to to make that kind of bet based off one year. I mean, we don't really care for the franchise tag, but like Daniel Jones, types of players are the reason the franchise tag was like made, mm-hmm. and the reason that teams use Kirk it Cousins. because you know it just makes more sense to be like, well, we don't really think you're that guy. <laughs> so but we'll, Matt, when you can franchise tag a running back, you just got to do it. I again, it's bizarre. I think it's a, it's 
it's strange because it felt like the Giants were kind of on a little bit of an upswing, but it feels like uh, some some weird. They pulled the Scooby Doo mask off and said, "We're still here." Right. Uh, and they're not the only team to franchise tag a running back in the division. Right. <laughs> the Cowboys are franchise tagging Tony Pollard. Yeah. And as someone who can appreciate how talented Tony Pollard is, I feel terrible for him because. I felt like this was going to be an opportunity for him to get out of Ezekiel Elliott's shadow and go to a team, get his bag, see how he performs as kind of the lead guy. And then also, the Eagles wouldn't have to worry about him anymore. Because quite frankly, I think over the last two seasons or so, if you've watched the games, you can kind of tell Tony Pollard was an X-factor at running back more so than Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, Tony Pollard has definitely had... Certainly had like the more explosive plays. I think Zeke still has these moments where he's able to turn like the the small gains into more like beneficial gains, right? Mm-hmm. Like turn three into five yards, um, and that ultimately might be a little more valuable depending on how you look at it. Like depending on what you're what you want out of your offense. Um, you know, Pollard has like these big like highlight plays, and you know that that's obviously a threat. Uh, see how he recovers from this injury too, right? Though because. Like that could obviously affect his some of that explosiveness, some of that, um, you know, athleticism that we've seen from him. But yeah, I, I think um, I think if you're looking around the division, if you're the Eagles, you're not so far like really worried. <laughs> you know, like I I think I think there there was some room for the Giants to really maybe, and you know, there's still free agency, there's still the draft, and and teams can change, but um, doesn't really feel like teams are making like a big step forward just yet again that could change though yeah and then i mean uh the other quarterback dominoes have fallen Derek carr's going to the saints which i think you and i can kind of both agree still doesn't change our opinion that jalen hurts is the best quarterback in the nfc um gets a ridiculous contract from that money laundering scheme that is the new orleans saints and then uh the new york jets uh front office had dinner with Aaron Rodgers. It's just a, I can't think of a more toxic situation than putting Aaron Rodgers in New York City. Well, technically New Jersey, but I just, I cannot imagine that. And in just 10 years' time, Aaron Rodgers will be uh, the one who is allegedly uh, stealing money from Mississippi State. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jordan Love, you're next. Um, But yeah, I mean free agency i think for the nfl starts next week um so that'll be definitely something to keep an eye on uh as we shift to the other football philadelphia union matt it's brought to you by our friends over at bino board uh the next big tabletop game for your man cave your she shed your tailgates they will also be part of our live tailgate uh series this summer down at citizens bank park Think paper football football meets foosball, and you've got Bino. Um, they've got officially licensed boards for Arsenal and Liverpool from the Premier League. Uh, Matt, you have the Liverpool board. I do. Um, it's very clean. They also have uh, still in stock some of their World Cup collection for a limited time, and they're all on sale. Under $100 um, for some of the boards. Get them while they're still available. Uh, they have the Germany edition and the Croatia edition still available. Um, so get them while they're hot. And they just uh, restock some of their accessories as well to upgrade your boards to make them look absolutely clean. Uh, so go to BinoBoard.com. That's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com. 
Use code BINOUSP. You get 10% off any and all orders uh, from our friends over at Bino. Go tell your story from the other side of the pitch. BinoBoard.com, code BINOUSP. Matt, the Union, they, they lose their first match of 2023 uh, playing in the CONCACAF Champions League as well, and we had uh, a dog run on the field. Yeah. Um, as Stole as, the show. As is... Uh... As it is often to happen at some of these Central American uh, stadiums, you get either adverse weather conditions, field conditions, and occasionally a- an animal finds its way. I think we all appreciate when like a cat or a dog or something finds its way into the field. Um, more common for like a cat or something because you can kind of see how a cat might make its way. A dog is always a little more surprising, um, but it does happen on occasion. Yeah, nil nil draw uh, in in El Salvador. Um, Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. The days run together this time of year. Um, the loss in, in Miami was, was tough. Um, lost the two, like, just unbelievable goals as well. I, it's a little concerning that, you know, we we haven't seen them put together, like, a lot of consistency so far this year. It's three games in, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's not abnormal for teams to maybe have a little bit of a slow start in the union, have not been a fast team out of the gates typically. If we can remember their start of last season, it was a little stop and start as well. So, you know, I, I, you're not hitting any, like, panic buttons yet. But, yeah, you would have liked to see them, I think. I really didn't feel that they were that competitive in the, in, in the Inter-Miami game. I, I felt that there was a um, just really no uh, – I, I didn't find the rhythm that we were so used to seeing last year. And, I mean, it didn't help, too, that, you know, when you go down, you need another team that I think really thrive in positions where they're able to counter. And it just didn't seem like they were uh, – they were able to do that in this game, and you know you had a, a few maybe missed opportunities to to get back on the scoreboard, but for the most part, I, I, I felt like Miami deserved the win. It was it was sort of a uh, an outplay type of game, and yeah, I mean you go even back to the the first game against the Crew. I didn't think they were great in the first half. A little lucky with some of the penalties, but I, I think largely uh, played better in the second. But I think that's now, you know two games where you've had some kind of mixed mixed messaging and then uh, the game last night was uh one of a uh, really low low opportunity um and I, I don't think it's really even that bad of a result to go away and and get a draw and be able to come back to philly with with the opportunity to advance i think you could do a lot of worse yeah and then uh saturday hosting chicago um uh, to kind of bounce back and and get right almost from that miami game being back home i feel like the union and we've talked about this a ton like they just perform well at home. They've got arguably the best home field advantage in all of MLS. So um, for them to be back home for a couple, I think will do them well. And hopefully the offense starts to click against Chicago and uh, see how they match up against the team that, um, you know, early in the season, you kind of want to get these kinks out. I'd say for, especially for this union team where they don't start fast. You want to kind of, get the ball rolling a little bit against Chicago and then go back uh, on Tuesday for that second leg um, of Champions League before you hit the road next Saturday against Montreal. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, this is the thing too, like, you know, uh, positioning becomes so much more important. A little less this year though, right? Because we talked about the ex- expanded playoff format and it obviously doesn't get that by. Um, obviously, you know, you're going to be going for the supporter shield and things like that. And, you know, you don't want to be losing ground in that race because – if you think, you know, to the last, like, you know, maybe like the first month or two of last season, Union were not in the same form. And the part of that, too, is because they had, I think, 
a, a little bit more of a, a a team that had to gel a little bit with with some new signings and you know we had to replace some departures as well um but you saw the kind of form and rhythm they got into especially in the summer uh, that was just a different type of team but you know if one or two of those results are different you know this team you know that that finals played in philly right and and they maybe have the supporter shield too like you know just things can change right and it's so it's so important um to still do well in the regular season there's still that incentive it's a long season though you know you don't want to get too bogged down and um maybe a disappointing result or two this early on but yeah you do want to correct it sooner than later 100 percent. so we'll see what happens with the union uh and as we do every single episode when it's in season it's our buffs and snuffs survivor segment brought to you by our friends over at tomahawk shades the best small batch eyewear in the game uh you guys can go to tomahawkshades.com check out their extensive collection of small batch eyewear including sunglasses blue light plus glasses they've got prescription lenses available they've got ski goggles available uh go to tomahawkshades.com uh who have also partnered with survivor legend tyson apostle um and use our code usp for 25 percent off already an affordable product it's it's way better than those big name brands that are already ripping you off uh and it's at the same high quality as all of them for a fraction of the price and we're giving you an even bigger fraction off 25 percent off when you go to tomahawkshades.com and use code usp for sunglasses blue light glasses everything in between shout out to our friends at tomahawk shades matt first episode of 44 in the books and uh we lose two castaways one by medical evacuation which i think the uh the medic appearance is going to hit the over this year and uh won by one of the craziest tribal councils in recent memory maddie goes home and uh we hardly knew you <laughs> literally just an unbelievable tribal council um i think it's it's it was a throw your hands up in the air kind of tribal council in terms of like i have no idea what's going on um Jamie had, I think, one of the strangest meltdowns and freakouts that I've ever seen. And I get, like, it's so different when you're out there, I'm sure, and you don't really know who to believe. And I'm sure it can be overwhelming. Um, I don't feel that she was on anyone's radar and all of a sudden got very paranoid about her name being thrown in. And this was all with a discussion about, like, who to vote out with other people. Like, it wasn't like she had heard a name and someone was being sketchy. Like, they were just, like, talking about who to vote for. And she just... I, I... I don't think I've ever seen anything like it actually in Survivor and she just totally panicked and then at Tribal said she's going to play her shot in the dark and I could not believe it. I like I could not. She said it, you know, when they were talking I was like, "Okay, she's just she's feeling a little nervous. It's totally I think that's totally normal. I you know, I'm sure it is. You know, the the first vote you want to get it right and you're not you're not totally sure yet. You're not totally sure if you can trust people yet. Um but to actually go through with it is insane. It's even funnier that she was actually safe. <laughs> She was not in danger whatsoever. Was that the first successful first successful one? And um, I mean, it ignited a lot of chaos, you know, because then I think Matthew makes his choice too. Like, well, let me uh, let me play Mike. I think he realized the way the vote was going to go, and maybe wanted to stay neutral and yeah. like play it off as like he was afraid. I don't know. Um, and then Brandon smartly sees all this happy. He's like, I'm gonna play Mike because <laughs> I don't like I don't like the look at any of this. And, um, yeah, that's how Maddie ends up going home. I've never seen And Lauren also like, used her bank your vote advantage. Yeah, which was smart in, in that situation, I think, because, like, 
she told the lie that um, you know, she didn't have a vote and then she kind of got caught in that lie. I don't know if she knew that, you know, everyone was aware that maybe mm-hmm. um, they thought she was lying about it, but she can say, look, I didn't vote, you know, like that. that's so she has that at least. I think that was like the best way to do it. I thought she actually played that advantage pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even touch on Brandon and finding the idol. And, uh, you know, it's such a tough thing because, you know, it, it's it's so public, right? Like, it's in a very public space, which is the point of putting it in, like, that very open, like, birdcage. Um, but Maddie sees him, and I think there's more to it that we didn't see. Like, she definitely saw him, and, like, there was a conversation about what to do. And I think, ultimately, it sucks because I think he did do the right thing. Because when you don't really want to work with the person that knows your secret, you can't exactly keep it a secret anymore. So you might as well share it with the tribe. I don't think it was unreasonable to think that it could have been something to potentially benefit the tribe. Of course, it was likely to be like an idol or an advantage or something like that. But I don't think it was like crazy to be like, well, let me just open up the tribe instead. Because I really don't like the person and I don't have a have a vision with this person moving forward. Um, so I, I feel, but it's out of his hands now too. You know, mm-hmm. like he's on it and now he's a fake idol that he could use on someone. <laughs> so at least he's kind of clean now. Yeah. Brandon Cottom, NFL legend and uh, Newtown, Pennsylvania zone. Um, I mean, it's tough to to top such a case. And, like, spe- like, the medical team coming out, like, we had Matthew, like, falling off I had no clue what he was thinking doing that. I have zero idea what he was thinking. And we, we tweeted the clip from at Buffs and Snuffs. Go follow on Twitter if you aren't already. And so many people like reacting to it and everything was like, why would they film this? Blah, 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 blah. And apparently on the new uh, after show podcast that Jeff is hosting, they say that if the production team sees anybody doing anything like out of the ordinary, they automatically fire up the drones and just go document it. (laughs) But the fact that you go and climb this already like wet, slippery surface, no shoes on. I just... No shirt on. Insane. This thing has literally been crafted by the most destructive force in nature, like the tides and water. And you're like, I'm just going to... I bad choice. I felt bad. Um, You know, you, you feel bad when people get hurt and yes. stuff. And like, you know, I, I didn't like that he got hurt. But it was like, I think he needed to learn that lesson, actually. That like, maybe don't... Yeah. Don't, don't do climb that. those in normal times. Don't climb those when you're like in a remote part of the world where like, you know, you can't... Realistically, you can't get help that of me. Like, they're going to help you. Like, they have medic. But, like, it's not like there's a hospital down the road. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're still in a bad spot. Um, did feel bad for Bruce that he uh, yeah. he gets uh, he gets sent home early. Um, I guess any time, too, it's like you've delayed, like, it seemed like it seemed like headache symptoms or mm-hmm. stuff. Like, any time you, like, hit your head really hard and you have a cut and then maybe, I, I don't know how long later, like, you know, seven or eight, ten hours later, something like that, you start to have more symptoms, more more negative effects. Um, that does get scary because you don't know about like any, any concussions or any like um, uh, like blood clots or if you're like, you know, like you don't know. Like, and so I, it sucks, but it, it seemed like it was, I just wish there's a way that they could get pulled from the game and have like a, an incubation period where yeah. they're like just getting them checked out at like a, a proper medical service. Right. And then they're still, it does suck that like in a situation like that, where ultimately, you know, he's fine, you know, everything was good, but um, you know, he has to leave the game as a result. That's just, it sucks. Yeah. In those situations, too, you hope that, like, down the line, if everything is good medically for them moving forward, like, they're able to get another chance. So, yeah, um, Jeff said that on his podcast, apparently, that he's already been invited back 
you know to, to play another so it was just cool yeah uh, i like that um so yeah we get uh two castaways gone uh soka sweeps the uh the award the reward and immunity tika wins the other immunity thoughts on the immunity idol this season uh jeff was super into it um a little worried about his he was really into stabbing the air with, yeah. that, with the knife um he seemed really jazzed up about it there's a weird like medieval theme going on like mm-hmm. even the um the the voting booth has like a little chess set kind and of I even thing. like remember like the preview video they showed there was like the knight yeah, I don't. They should like the armor and everything. I don't know if that's gonna like work its way in. <laughs> no, we got like that bird cage too. Yeah, I'm not totally sure. Um, it's. I mean, it's fine. It, yeah. It's as far as immunity items go. It's a nice one. I think it's it's a it's a pretty nice one. I like that it works in like the the two different ones yes. into one thing. That's always cool. Instead that's of just like sweet. here's a big trophy. Here's a slightly smaller right. trophy. Um, I like that it's kind of you get the the two in one type of deal. That is nice. I saw, uh, I think the best uh, meme that was floating around was like, live look at Survivor 44's immunity idol. And it was just the game covers of Pokemon Sword and Shield. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, but going into tonight, I don't know how you top such a unbelievable and just like unpredictable premiere. Yeah, unpredictable is the right word for it. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think... You know, part of it was a little bit of sloppiness, you know, and I, I think um, that can be good. You don't want a full season of that. It's nice to have an episode here or there of, I don't want to call anyone incompetent, but, you know, like, it, mm-hmm. that, that was not fully evolved gameplay, I didn't think. You know, like, it was, there was a lot of just... They have not been there before. Yeah, anxiety and paranoia uh, really taking over. Um, that was very ex- instinctual. That was not... <laughs> that was not maybe the most measured and calculated uh, Survivor gameplay I've ever seen. Um so maybe we, we get a little more of that this week. Yeah, we'll see how it all unfolds. Make sure you follow at Buffs and Snuffs on Twitter and keep up to date with everything we're doing with our Survivor coverage. And make sure you follow at Underground PHI on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Leave a five-star rating and review. It does help the show continue to grow. Helps more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia. And uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of every podcast, live streams, original content, shorts, all that good stuff is going on our YouTube channel. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We need to hit 1,000 subscribers. We're at 403 right now. Let's keep that thing going and uh, be a friend, tell a friend, share the channel with your people. And a uh, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland and our incredible merch partners, PHI Apparel Company. Go to phiapparel.co, stand out in the crowd, get your merch for our Ring It podcast series this summer at citizens bank park and use code underground when you go to check out for 10 percent off any and all merch orders and this has been episode number 514 of underground sports philadelphia we'll see you on sunday for our selection sunday live stream youtube.com slash at underground sports philadelphia for that one and uh for matt i'm kb till next time we are signing off peace I'm